What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 274th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ, and with me today on this Thursday night when we're recording, so hopefully no news comes out this weekend, is Will. Yeah, that's real scary because something real big is going to drop this weekend. And did you know half of 274 is 137? I, I didn't. A I little did known fact. <laughs> yep. So we're recording early because I'm going to be gone all weekend. I get back on Sunday night. I'm just going uh, to Minnesota for Irene's family. So hopefully nothing drastic or event-worthy happens Pokemon news-wise over the weekend. But I, I can't imagine so. But who knows? We're recording on Thursday night instead of Sunday morning. It is myself. It's Will. No Travis. They are off. Working the job. Work- the one that pays them the monies. The, the man has them working. Oh, the man's got us all down. <laughs> I probably would have asked Micah to be on, but I think he's probably exhausted from all the recording and prep work we had to do this week. Plus all that gourmet cooking that he does all yeah. the time. <laughs> the beautiful meals. So if you're a new listener to It's Super Effective, welcome this is a Pokemon podcast. I'm going to do a little bit of house cleaning before we jump in, but besides the house cleaning that we're going to do right off the bat, we have some Pokemon news regarding Pokemon Go, regarding this really weird unknown video that was shown, and about the 20th Pokemon movie. Then we got some emails, and then we got our Pokemon of the Week, which we are revamping uh, based on some feedback from our Slack community, so our Pokemon of the Week is going to be a little bit different. Uh, really different this time just because there's no Travis. I'll fill in the void there. A little bit different Pokemon of the Week, so stay tuned for that. It will be Nido King this week. Probably should start announcing the Pokemon of the Week early. I don't know why it's ever a secret because it's in the show notes, which leads into our house cleaning. If you're a new listener or you're a current listener, normally the, the first couple minutes of the episode is usually off-topic stuff, like what happened in the week that's not Pokemon-related. And I think that's very important to our show, not only because the majority of our listeners like that segment the best, but I think it really does showcase our personalities. If you're listening to this, most of this Pokemon news you've probably already heard through Twitter or on video game websites or Bulbapedia or Serebii or, you know, wherever you get news. (laughs) I've I've always said that most people listening to the show don't come to get breaking news. They just come to get our opinions on the news that just happens to be a little bit late. Yeah, snarky, sassy attitude with your news. That's what you get here. (laughs) But the last couple episodes, I think the last five or six episodes, there are more detailed show notes. So if there's a certain segment you don't like to listen to, let's say you don't care about Pokemon Go, let's say you don't care about the Pokemon TCG, which we, we talk about from time to time. Maybe you don't like Pokemon of the Week. You can look at the show notes now and see exactly when segments start and new segments begin. So if Pokemon of the Week is at, you know, an hour, 20 minutes and house cleaning starts at an hour, 30 minutes, you know that Pokemon of the Week is 10 minutes long. And if that's something you don't care about, you could easily skip over that. So that's just for people who have been listening for a long time and or new people that the show notes are more detailed. So if that's something you like, cool. If not, you know, just continue listening as always. Uh, some more house cleaning. So the reason Mike is not on and because I said that uh, he's probably exhausted is because we just launched a new podcast together. Did you really? We did. <laughs> I think I completely missed that. 
Yeah, uh, I know you're, uh, you're, you haven't, but. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know I'm lying. <laughs> yes. Because uh, I was the first person to love it. <laughs> we launched a Monster Hunter podcast. This is something that I've wanted to do for, for quite a long time. I'm a huge, huge Monster Hunter fan, and I probably talk slash read about Monster Hunter more than I actually play it which is kind of how pokemon is for me i podcast and and read about pokemon more than i than i get to play it mike and i wanted a podcast for a while it's it's really convenient that we live very close to each other i i have so much audio gear and so much audio setup that it's appealing to be able to sit in a room with people or in this case one other person podcast together I know I wanted to I knew I wanted to do a Monster Hunter podcast and I knew that the last couple months wasn't the right time to do that. I don't even I wouldn't even say that when Generations launched uh last fall, I wouldn't even say that that was the right time to do it. And I kind of missed the boat when if Monster Hunter 4 U was was hot. But now with Monster Hunter World coming out uh early 2018 and with it being on PS4 and PC and Xbox 1 I think it's a really great time to start building that community of hunters. And both Mike and I plan to import Double Cross, which is a the expansion, quote-unquote expansion to uh generations, except it will yeah, only me be too. It, it will only be in Japanese, so we'll we'll have to finagle through that, but with Double Cross coming out next month and the big game Monster Hunter 5 aka Monster Hunter World coming out early 2000 18 I think it, I think it's a perfect opportunity to start building that community and being able to be a resource to welcome new hunters or no, new people that are interested in Monster Hunter. And so there are 3 episodes out in iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher and Pocket Cast and wherever in Google Play and wherever you get podcasts. And so the the name of the show is called The Carve. Uh you can easily find it on any of those ser- uh, services by searching The Carve. Or by searching Monster Hunter, it should show up. Uh, or by searching supereffective.fm. So those are, that's out there for you. And if you enjoy Monster Hunter, I hope you enjoy this podcast. And if you don't enjoy Monster Hunter, well then, uh, thanks for sitting through two minutes of me uh, telling you about it. <laughs> no, it's a good podcast, even if you like haven't played Monster Hunter before, because it's kind of just talking about, like, what does Monster Hunter mean to me and what has the his not to me because I wasn't invited to be part of this, even though I play Monster Hunter every single day, but like about the history of Monster Hunter so far and like what versions there have been and where they've been. And like, I like Micah's heartwarming stories about him and his brother and it's about family and love and killing things and chopping them up and using their parts to make armor and weapons. <laughs> I'm... I am sure there will be an opportunity for for Will to be on. Uh, when I was originally, like I said earlier, I think there there is a different kind of dynamic and a different feel when two people are sitting in the same room as opposed to what we do here on It's Super Effective, which three of us are in different states recording and not seeing each other. And and I think I do a pretty good job of making that show or this show sound sound all right and feel good and Apparently, you guys like it. That's why you're here. But I just wanted to take a moment and talk about Monster Hunter. And to everyone who has downloaded and listened to it, thank you so much. Uh, I can't kind of... It's it's weird going from 
like zero like a zero base of like okay we have no episodes we have this brand new twitter we have uh we don't have a website yet and i'm working on that and kind of building that up and starting all over again because at the end of the month it's super effective will be seven years old seven years old seven Does seven mean seven years old i was in my 30s when when you started old man will over here Let's jump into some Pokemon news. Uh, first bit of news. Will, you're going to Pokemon Go Fest. This is very true. I am going to... I mean, I, I don't want to say it again, but... I, I, you know what? I'm going to Chicago to Pokemon Go Fest. Oh, ha ha. That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. As is the city of Chicago. But I will make the sacrifice of going there once again to celebrate pokemon go fast as i speculated earlier my sister no longer wanted her ticket so it was either sell the ticket for i don't even know how much they're going for probably still three to four hundred dollars i'm assuming i haven't checked but let's just pretend that they're still going for three to four hundred dollars on ebay or i could give that ticket to you and make no money Wait a minute, I gave you $500 for that ticket. Don't lie to the people. And I can't believe you sold it to me for $500 when it was only worth $300 on eBay. Somebody somebody has to... I don't, I don't know where I was going with pay, that pay, pay for this podcast to get made. I'm excited to see you, Will, though. I haven't seen... When's the last time we saw each other? December? Was it really that long ago? Yeah. And it's funny because like sad. three weeks after Pokemon Go Fest, we'll be seeing each other again. Yeah, that's real sad, too. <laughs> no, that's true, because I usually do, like, a spring trip to the area, and, yeah, I didn't this year. But time has been going by so fast. Yeah, 2017's been flying by. Because you're coming to Pokemon Go Fest, you probably care about the Pokemon Go news that dropped recently. So we'll go over this real quick here. This is the press release I got. Uh, Niantic and the Pokemon Company International have unveiled new details for Pokemon Go's global events and real-world activities for trainers around the world to participate together. Pokemon Go Fest Chicago will feature a variety of activities for trainers, including unique ways for players at the event and across the globe to work together to compete unique challenges and earn special in-game rewards. So if you're not going to Pokemon Go Fest, still... Some rewards for you here. Still some teamwork to do on July 22nd. So do I need to bring a smartphone to Pokemon Go Fest? You would. You know, I was thinking, what if somebody like me or anyone else, let's just say they're from California, though, like the longest possible distance in the United States to travel from, maybe Washington, but they book a hotel room, they book a flight, they fly all the way out to Pokemon Go Fest. They get through the gate with their wristband and their iPhone or their Android device or whatever they're using just completely dies. I don't know if I'm more horrified by your story or the fact that you forgot that like Micronesia is part of the United States. <laughs> so I'm thinking because I'm an iPhone user that, okay, what if this happens to me? I know that the North of Michigan Avenue Apple Store is what, 20, 25 minutes walking distance from Grant Park? Oh, no, that only takes me about 15 to 17 minutes. You got longer legs. No, that's true. So you walk over there, and because I used to work at an Apple store, they're probably going to make you wait one to two hours 
to get a new phone. But no, book your genius appointment before you leave the bar. <laughs> but your phone's dead. Online your, phone, app. Your, your phone's dead. It's DOA. Oh, that's right. It's dead that's on arrival. Right. Is there an AT and T store somewhere nearby? They're not. They're not going to fix your iPhone. I'm just. I'm. That would be extremely tragic to travel all the way to this one day only event where you have to depend on a device, and not everyone has two phones like you do, Will. Well, I was actually just going to ask, should I bring some of my extra iPhones for people? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Because that's a question that people ask. I've only got like five or six of them. I was thinking about bringing my iPad and an iPod Touch that I have just laying around just so if my phone did die for any odd reason, I could at least use those devices and connect to Wi-Fi. And I don't know. It just, I, I am sure out of the... 12,000 plus tickets Pokemon Go has sold. I bet one person will, at least one person will have this issue. They get to Pokemon Go Fest and their phone does not work and they don't have another solution. There will be people who show up and completely have forgotten their phone at home. Absolutely. I don't don't know about that. Let me me continue, continue with this press release here. In addition to Pokemon Go Fest, trainers in Europe will have the chance to team up this summer, across seven cities during what is called Pokemon Go Safari Zone events, they can catch rare Pokemon, obtain special rewards, and take on powerful raid bosses. Pokemon Go Fest will take place on Saturday, July 22nd in Grant Park, located in the heart of downtown Chicago. Oh, another side note. I was supposed to say this in house cleaning, but if you are planning on going to Pokemon Go Fest or... You are just in the Chicago area, so you don't have tickets, but you do want to attend some sort of Pokemon podcast meetup. Uh, I am getting a soft headcount for who might be interested in that. Ideally, what I would like to do is book a nearby restaurant. And I know there's, I know it's, it's, it's Chicago, so either everything's expensive or everything's too far away. But that's why I need the headcount. Cause if we get, you know, 35 people and the room costs, let, let me do simpler math. If we get 30 people and the room costs $600 to reserve, you have to spend $600 in food to, you know, actually reserve that room. That comes down to about $20 a person, but you're, you're spending that money on drinks and food and dessert or whatever. So if I get a head count of how many we have, that's ideally brings down the cost. So Again, I'm trying to find a restaurant because at least for the people that will be at Pokemon Go Fest, we're going to be outside all day. Uh, we're going to probably be eating not so good food that is extremely overpriced. And once 7 o'clock hits, it's going to be a disaster to try to leave that area car-wise. And so the simplest thing is let's go to a restaurant that is in walking distance. Let's sit down and get some better cooked food. And let's make sure that space is air conditioning and that space is only for us. So it's private. And so if that ends up costing, you know, 10 to $15 a person, I'd rather have that than let's not have a place to go and stand outside and be hot and sweaty. And some of us will be hungry and some of us are not. And I'm not saying that if you're coming, you have to spend 10 to 15 a person. I'm just saying that if I get a headcount, I can secure a room and then... We don't have to worry about that cost. 
Yeah, agreed. And you just reminded me that I know someone who is somewhat influential from Chicago. And let me ask that person for some recommendations as well. That would be great because the the rooms that Irene have has found it it come with with the headcount we have we have about twenty five people reserve that say they're they're coming. So that comes to about twenty dollars ish. But I wasn't big on that restaurant to begin with. So, anyways, this is this is for people in the Chicago area. So I don't want to spend too much time on it, but. If you're interested in coming, even if you're not, if you're interested in meeting other It's Super Effective fans and myself and Will and Micah and Irene and the community, we have, just check our Twitter or check our Facebook or check Slack. Just fill out the form. All I'm asking is an email. Uh, if you're going to the fest, if you're coming to the after party, if you're interested in eating or not, and like I said before, if you're not interested in eating, no big deal. And how many people are in your party? So if... If you are bringing a significant other or a friend, we just want to know a rough head count. If you fill out the form and you decide you can't make it, it's honestly no big deal. Again, just looking for a rough head count. Uh, and I'll be, that'll also be in the show notes, that link. It's just a Google form. And that will also be, like, like I said, on Twitter and stuff. So if you could fill that out as soon as possible, that'd be great because we got to kind of finalize things the day after or so this episode comes out. Uh, back to this. Pokemon Go Fest will take place Saturday in Grand Park, located in downtown Chicago. Throughout the day, trainers will be able to participate in three challenge window activities, where they must work together to catch certain types of Pokemon in order to unlock a variety of perks for Pokemon Go players around the world. Trainers outside of Chicago will be able to participate in the festivities by catching as many Pokemon as possible during these challenge windows to extend the duration of bonuses unlocked by the attendees of Pokemon Go Fest. If trainers around the world catch enough Pokemon, a mystery challenge will be revealed at Pokemon Go Fest, Mewtwo, I'm assuming it has to be Mewtwo, for the potential to unlock an extra special bonus across the globe, which as I'm assuming for everyone else, Mewtwo raids, but who knows. So wait, they've got to, we've got to unlock something so that they can then extend the unlock something. And if they do that well enough, it unlocks something for us, which we then have to do succeed at, which will then unlock for them. That's exactly correct. <laughs> this is a huge burden. I'm not coming anymore. <laughs> In Europe, Pokemon Go Safari Zone events will be hosted at select shopping centers, Co Copenhagen and Prague on August 5th, Stockholm and Amsterdam on August 12th, and Oberhausen, Paris, and Barcelona on September 16th. Pokemon Go Safari Zone events will give trainers the opportunity to catch a variety of Pokemon from special Kanto region and Johto region zones, including Pokemon never encountered in Europe. You didn't see the image they used. Kangaskhan was on top of Europe, so the obvious... One of the obvious Pokemon that would be encountered would be Kangaskhan, which currently right now is exclusive to the Australian region. Players will also have a chance to team up with others to take on unique and powerful raid bosses. I'm assuming, again, this is legendary because they use the word unique and powerful. I wouldn't consider any of the raids currently unique because they've been around for three weeks now. Or powerful? Uh, some of them are tough. Tyranitar, I think, is the toughest right now. So I've been catching lots of Pokemon, doing the best I can to lead up to this Pokemon Go Fest event. 
but I'm only level 16. Am I going to be able to have fun? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the minimum raid level is level 5. So you can still raid. You can still hit up Pokestops. I'm sure there will be tons of lures and incense and everything happening there. I have no worry that you wouldn't be on the same playing field as other Pokemon Go players. All right, I do I have to bring my own lures? Lures is a word that's spoken with two syllables. Lures? Probably. Do I have to bring my own uh, lures? <laughs> Every time you level up, you get more. Like, you get free ones. Like, I think when you hit level 20, you get three or four free. Oh, because I usually, the way I walk, I pass by one Pokestop twice in the morning. So I usually set a lure there when the first time I pass it, and then I pick up the rewards on the, my next pass around. Mm. I would save your lures for the fest. All future lures will now be saved for the fest. But that's how I got a Growlithe. The Pokemon Company will also be hosting an annual Pikachu Outbreak event in Yokohama, Yokohama, sorry, Japan from August 9th through the 15th, where a special Pokemon Go experience will take place. More details of the event will be revealed soon. And that is your Pokemon Go news. Well, now I've got Pokemon Go news. I caught a Pikachu with a hat on it uh, at Washington Circle this morning. Ash Hat Pikachu. <laughs> yes, I caught one of those at Washington Circle. I recommend anybody who's desperate for Pokemon Go action, just take a walk down Pennsylvania Avenue between the Four Seasons Hotel and the White House. You get all the Pokemon Go you need. There's like 30 gyms and 400 Pokestops. I'm, uh, I've heard, I've heard on the street, and by the street I mean the internet, that Mareep is pretty common in Washington, D.C., and not common really anywhere else but your area. I have not seen a single Mareep, but I have probably caught a thousand Natus. There was a, <laughs> a Zatu on Pennsylvania Avenue this morning, and I did catch that as well. I, I, like I said, I've, I've heard Mareep is in your area, but I know as of recording this, the spawns just changed. They did a, a spawn refresh, so if you're... You know, used to seeing, I don't know, Pidgeys. Pidgeys are going to be there regardless. If you're used to seeing, like, Mankeys in your area, it's possible that you may now be seeing, like, Sandshrew or something like that. I am now seeing Drowsy at my house, and I haven't seen Drowsy in my house in, in like, the past eight months. I think we have one more podcast before Pokemon Go Fest. Uh, if, yes. Wait. No, no, no. this is the last no. one. Yeah, so, again, fill out that form. We will be at Pokemon Go Fest. We will be there all day. Fill out that form if you are at least in the Chicago area and you plan on attending the meetup. Like I said, the meetup will be after 7 o'clock because there are these events that are going on throughout the festival. So I don't want I don't want to waste your guys' time if you're there. Not really waste, but you know, you're there for the event. I want you to have the most fun that you can have at the event. We should probably talk about the what the unlocks could possibly be. No, we should talk about whether it's worthwhile for people to stand on the outside of Grant Park and think that they're going to be able to participate in the <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's happening. There's something to do with the bracelets that they tie to your trainer ID. So I think that matters in, in some aspects too. The, the, there are the, the three challenge windows. So at Chicago, you have 11 to 11.30, 12 to 12.30, and 3 to 3.30. So there are 30-minute challenge windows for... Chicago. There are six different challenges, but I believe 
from my understanding, is you can only unlock one challenge per the 30 minutes. So even though there are six challenges, the Chicago players can only unlock three of the six. So during those windows, you can catch, if you catch enough fire Pokemon, you'll unlock a candy bonus. If you catch enough water Pokemon, you unlock an XP bonus. Reddit and Twitter seems to care about this one. If you catch the enough grass Pokemon, you will unlock a Stardust bonus. And I have kind of a complaint about that, but I'll get back to that. If you col uh, collect enough electric Pokemon, that is an egg distance bonus. I think it's just the more you walk, the faster it is to hatch eggs. If you uh, catch enough rock Pokemon, ground, ground or rock, I can't tell with this pixelated <laughs> symbol. It, it's the worst one. It doesn't matter. It's the buddy distance bonus. And then if you collect enough normal Pokemon, that is an encounter rate bonus, which I believe you just get more encounters, if I'm not mistaken. And then worldwide, there's bronze, silver, and gold. If it's bronze, that it increases the duration of the bonus by 24 hours. If it's silver, that's 48 hours. And if it's gold, you unlock the mystery challenge. The mystery challenge, if that is successful, which I have to imagine has to be successful, like, there's no way that this is going to be a festival plaza goal where the first two were unreachable. Oh, it very well could be. No, 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 no. Because if this is the summer of Legendary and the Legendary Pokemon, and they haven't done Legendary Pokemon yet, and they plan to do Legendary Pokemon here, it would make it seem like they want the goal to be obtainable so then you get people talking and you get people excited and clearly they want people to stay until six o'clock since from six to seven the mystery challenge will be available if it's succeeded and then if the chicago people can succeed at the mystery challenge it would unlock the global reward for everyone which takes place on july 23rd and july 24th again we don't know what that is but going back to the Stardust, I just want to complain real quick that all these hardcore Pokemon players on Reddit and Twitter and forums and Facebook, they want more Stardust. And the reason you would use Stardust is to level up your Pokemon and the old gym system used to give Stardust. And when there's like Adventure Week or Fire and Ice Week, there's Stardust bonuses. And the more you give candy to a Pokemon, the more Stardust it requires to level up Pokemon. My complaint is, I get that people want to power up their Pokemon, but by giving everyone more Stardust, it's going to stag- it, nothing changes. And what I mean by that is, oh, now I have, you know, 40,000 Stardust and I can level up my Golem an extra 500 CP. Yeah, but so does your neighbor, and so does everyone else playing. They get- they're all getting more Stardust, and you're getting more Stardust. And then instead of everyone's Pokemon being, let's just say everyone's Pokemon's at 1,200, okay, then in two days everyone's Pokemon is at 1,500. So nothing changes. It's just everyone's numbers went up higher, and it's the same. But it's not everyone. It's only the people at Pokemon Go Fest who get the Stardust bonus. Yeah, but then in terms, that would apply to everyone. You're saying that a rising tide raises all boats. Right. So no boat gets to be better than any other boat. Exactly. And there's nothing you hate more than not being able to win. No, it's not even about winning. It's just I would rather see 
for me, I would, I guess I would rather see like an encounter rate bonus because that gives me more of a chance to ca possibly catch Pokemon I don't have. Uh, I would rather see something like an egg distance bonus because if I can go through eggs faster and I'm at the event and they're giving out more eggs and I plan on walking all day, I think that bonus is really valuable. I would rather get a candy bonus because there's a lot of Pokemon I have and the only thing I am missing is candy and I would rather fill out my Pokedex at that point. But Stardust bonus, I have had zero issues taking over a gym. If I go to a gym down the street and there it's a Valor gym and there's 2,900 Pokemon in there, which no one wants 3,000 CB Pokemon because of how they are how they work in gyms. So if they're at 2,999, right before 3,000, and they're sitting in gyms, there is nothing that is going to stop me from taking that gym solo. Even though my max Pokemon, I think, is my Tyranitar, which is 6, 2,600. As long as I sit there at that gym, I will eventually take it down. It might take me, you know, 20 revives and 20 hyper potions, but it doesn't, like I said last week, it doesn't matter if the gym is full of Pokemon at 500 CP or if the gym is at 2,900 CP. You can still solo it. It's just going to take you a little longer. And if you're with a group, if you're with one other person, it just goes twice as fast. For me, to, to want a Stardust reward to power up Pokemon when CP at this point in the game doesn't matter at all. It's, it's just, it feels like that is a wasted reward. My my highest CP Pokemon is 695. And you could do raids just fine with that. And you could do gyms just fine with that. It's a wheezing. I don't want to. <laughs> can I give it Stardust to make it better? You can. But I wouldn't. Because there's no point. <laughs> like, even if you're doing a raid, and you have one 600 CP and a bunch of 500 CPs, and let's say you're doing a Tyranitar, so one of the hardest raids, and you're in there with 19 other people, you're still, as long as Tyranitar is defeated, even if you're out, if, even if all six Pokemon of yours get defeated, you're allowed to jump back in with a new six, and the raid keeps going. The only contest in the raid is the time itself. Can you beat the timer? Because even if all six of your Pokemon get knocked out in a raid, you just go back in with six more Pokemon. If you have a group of people, and I was able to do Tyranitar with, with, me and five other people, so six people. So if you're level five and all your Pokemon are maybe 100 CP, the other 19 people will get to the end of the raid and you will still get the, you'll still get the 3,000 CP, the 3,000 XP for doing the raid. You'll still get the golden raspberries. You'll still get the chance at the TM. You'll still get the, you'll still get the revives. And more importantly, you'll still get the chance to catch the Tyranitar at the end. So again, it just validates my point that at this stage of the game, CP doesn't really mean a lot. The only reason it would mean something is if you want to try to solo those Tyranitar raids or, or solo those level 3 raids. Sure, I guess you can do that, but at that point, you're such a small percentage of all the players that it's... You're like the... You're like the 0.5% of players that want to try to solo a Machamp raid. And if you can do it, great. What if, what if I want to battle you? Battling's not available yet. And yet. We, we talked about this. Even if battling is available, it's server-side, and there's already enough server problems in raids and gyms that what is that battle going to come down to? Who can tap faster? Maybe battling is about competitive dance. <laughs> Maybe.
NCP. NCP, yeah. That's just my thought on the Stardust thing. I'm sure that there are people that, you know, are still gung-ho on wanting Stardust. But I think the other five rewards, besides the, the buddy distance one, I think the other four are more compelling. Let's talk well, about... Well, I mean, that, that's fine. All the rewards can't be great, right? Because if all the rewards were great, then they'd actually all be mediocre. So you have one bad reward makes all the other ones look good. <laughs> Much like this podcast. Let's talk about the Pokemon Mystery Files video. So this was a video that was posted on the official Japanese Pokemon YouTube account. It looks like it was translated here, but I think, Will, you saw the video. I saw the video. Do you want to describe it? Well, so it's like, besides the, I think it starts with the Unown paddle, pa- panel. Am I correct in saying that? Um, where it's like whatever that that name is, the words that are like, what if this is real or what what does it translate as? It's just like a it's it's a lot of questions. It it doesn't open. Well, yeah, with but what does the panel say? Oh, the, it oh it ends with the panel. Yeah, so well it, the the YouTube thumbnail is the unknown panel. Okay, so it goes through like scenes from almost every generation of game, at least every color generation of games. Um, and it has like Celebi and it has, uh, Deoxys and all kinds of like all the outer spacey weird and it's got weird music too. And it's got like a pyramid shape and yeah, it's a bunch of questions like, where are these mysterious visitors from? And just like, it's all questions, but no, no answers. Yeah. I don't know how to put it. And just, yeah, pictures, and there's, like, Clefairies doing a Clefairy dance under the moon. And there was that one scene from the Pokestar Studios, which was the UFO movie. Yeah. Or the Invader movie. So it's kind of like all the outer spacey alien Pokemon stuff. Although they did not specifically show Elgium and Behem, So, hmm, that's a little odd to me. They're, I think, on the website you go to, it shows them. There's a website? Yeah. I have translation here from Reddit. The questions asked during the... It's a two-minute and nine-second video. It's all in Japanese. All the questions are in Japanese. I don't think there's any... There's no one, like, talking or anything. It's just question, here's a scene from the Pokemon game, question, here's a scene from the Pokemon game, and like Will said, starts with Generation 1 and then goes all the way to the Ultra Beast in Sun and Moon. The first question is, time slip? And then it says, manipulating time, they come from the moon, space virus, meeting an alien, UFO sighting, alien invasion, the secret side of our world, the secret of ancient ruins attack from another world, possessing humans. That's it. (laughs) That's all it says. And then it has the pyramid. Hmm. Mysterious. The video just means nothing. (laughs) Well, what it means is, hey, there's a heck of a lot of weird stuff in Pokemon, so we won't translate this into English. (laughs) Well, Well, here's the thing. The Pokemon YouTube Japanese channel has a lot of 30 second to three minute videos, and... Most of them are just self-promotion 
of side games or the the stickers they do or the stamp contests we do like last week when we talked about the 711 stuff where you can go to a 711 and get a stamp and you get two stamps and you get a pokemon so i did a little research and it looks like this is a teaser trailer for a pokemon fan club series called the mystery files which will come out on july 19th it looks like yes okay before the research some were saying oh that maybe this is something for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and it's possibly giving something Ultra Beast related, but it just seems like it's a Pokemon fan club series, and those just uh, those just seem to be short mini-series that are Japan-only, kind of like... I don't want to like I don't want to sound like I'm discrediting it, but I think both you and I have both seen Pokemon Sunday, and it's a Pokemon show that happens every Sunday, but nothing ever happens during it. Yeah, no, it's like a variety entertainment show with no plot direction or actual information of value distributed at all. That this is along those lines, that it's probably something we're not going to get. I think it's cool in the sense that sometimes we forget, at least sometimes we like to, sometimes we need to be reminded that not all Pokemon in the Pokemon universe are. Uh, a world from the Pokemon world that Pokemon Pokey Earth, yeah, like Deoxys and Staryu and Elgum and LGM, LGM and BGM. They're from outer space, and that's cool. And I guess Unknown is from outer space. Is that what that's referring to? I don't know if the I, I haven't looked at Unknown's Dex entry in in a while, but I I would assume uh, that's. What I don't it's, think so, but um. Definitely, like, Clefairy is from the moon. Uh, I don't think there's much news there besides that, but it is a really cool video if you wanted to check that out. Also, more importantly, there's a Magnemite video on the Pokemon Japan YouTube channel, and it's kind of like the Magikarp song, where it's just, like, it's just this Magikarp song, but it's like a Magnemite song, and it's really cute, and it's really great, and you should watch that, too. It's, it's real good, but I'd say it's a one-watcher maybe two times. I gave it three times, and I still enjoyed it. Unless you're a really big Magnemite fan, then go for it. After the video, I was kind of a Magnemite fan. (laughs) Last bit of news here. Wouldn't be a Pokemon podcast without mentioning Allegra Frank. Polygon. Allegra Frank. (laughs) Pokemon's next movie reimagines, reimagines the first season without Brock and Misty. The upcoming 20th Pokemon movie, I Choose You, is a reimagining of the anime's first season, but don't expect everything to be the same, Allegro writes. Among the biggest changes are new takes on classic moments, for whatever reason, the replacement of Ash Ketchum's best friends, Brock and Misty. I wouldn't go as far as saying best friends. I I was just going to say that. I mean, Misty was just following him around because she wanted to get her money for her bike, right? And it was like almost like on. Did you ever see the movie Better Off Dead? Mm mm. No. Well, there's this little paper boy, and he needs to collect $2 to pay for the people's like newspaper delivery. And he literally just follows the main character around the whole movie. And he's like, I want my $2. And that's basically Misty in the first season of Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Brock and Misty left their posts as gym leaders early on in the anime to accompany Ash on his journey to becoming a Pokemon master. I choose you forfeits these characters in favor of 
two new fellow trainers. There is Soji, whose partner is Lucario, a fourth generation Pokemon. And there is Mikado, whose buddy is Piplup. And Mikado, if I'm saying that right, uh, is the female? I believe that's correct. Butchering these names. Both are prominent in the film's promotional materials. Check out the... Both are prominent in the film's promotional materials. The jury is still out whether they're as memorable as the love Lord Brock and stubborn Misty, but we imagine that it will be hard to get nostalgic fans to warm up to them. Count us among the skeptics. It's odd to replace Ash's best friend with two best friends with two newcomers. Even if I choose you isn't a straight remake of the original Pokemon anime, a story this familiar and beloved may be able to withstand some tweaks, but dropping some of the most visible characters may not be one of them. I choose you premieres in Japan on July 15th. A Western date has not been announced. Correction, Lucario is a fourth-gen Pokemon, not a third-gen Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, my, my biggest issue is that uh, Marshado is going to be in there, which is extra, extra weird, because that's an Alolan dude. <laughs> I, okay, this, this, is, this is nothing to do with Allegra. She wrote the article. I've seen, I've seen people complain about Brock and Misty not being in here. There's a ton of other sites I could have po- pulled the same exact article from here's the deal this movie is what 80 to 90 minutes we already have to accept the fact that while the opening of the movie is a reimagining or the opening of the very first couple of episodes of the pokemon anime there's no way that they're going to be able to tell that's that first season in a movie timeline. Oh, oh, not the whole first season. I can guarantee you there will be no Pikachu with a ketchup bottle. Guaranteed. So you have to write a story that works in 80 to 90 minutes. And the Pokemon anime as a full story is what? How many episodes? Over 50? Well, but the first season would be about 26 episodes. Was it? No, when was it? When does he get? When does he leave for Orange Islands? It's way more than twenty six episodes. That's not in the first season. But that's well, but he's still with hmm. Brock and Misty, and then when he loses, well, I mean, spoiler, when he loses two, to Richie, that's kind of when everything falls apart. Uh, but Brock and Misty ha- hung out far longer than they should have, and then they came back. Well, then. Is it Misty that stays with, and then Tracy joins, and then Brock goes away? Yeah. And then Misty goes away, and then Brock comes back in. Okay, so here's my other problem, is that this is the... It's not a problem. Here's here's the deal. Going back to the deal. 82 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. The (laughs) The fact that I have so many thoughts. Okay, so the first thought is... I love when there's a reimagining of something, and I love when when the creator, when the, the producer, whoever whoever's in charge of said reimagining product does something different with it. If you're going to take the time and resources and you're going to retell a story, I am one for that storyteller to make changes. And I know that is hotly debated. Some people want it to be you know, pitch perfect to the original. Some people want it to be dramatic. But look, if I want 
to see Ash's journey from start to finish, I'll go rewatch the Pokemon anime. It's very easily accessible. They just redid it in HD. It does look significantly better. That They're not taking that away from you. But on top of that, this is the first movie out of 20 movies where it doesn't fit in the actual Pokemon timeline. So the last movie, which was Magearna, the Marvelous Machine or something like that, that fit in the timeline between the X, Y, and Z anime and the Sun and Moon anime, or wherever it fell. It, regardless, it fit into the timeline. This is the first movie to ever go back in time to do something. Not to mention, there's a reason that Brock and Misty aren't in this movie, and the reason is because Ash never meets them. He never actually encounters them. When Ash sees the Ho-Oh after the very first episode, instead of going to the first gym where he would eventually meet Brock, he decides to follow the Ho-Oh. So he would never meet Brock because he never makes it to Pewart City. Pewter. Yeah. Um, so it's a, different, it's a different story altogether because of one fateful change. Yes. Is that and what I, you're telling me? Yes. And I think that's really cool. So I might actually be interested in seeing it rather than just a an abbreviated rehashing of something I've seen probably about 40 to 50 times already. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Misty because because Ash doesn't make it past the Viridian Forest and who I I haven't seen the movie it's possible that he goes to the Viridian Forest and he goes to Pewart City. Pewter. Pewter. This movie isn't telling Ash's journey to collect eight badges. It's collect. It's telling Ash's journey of following Ho-Oh. So Misty appears before that. But to remind everyone, Misty's, what you said earlier, Will, the, the reason Misty exists and the reason that Misty sticks around as long as she does is because she wants money for her bike. Everything does not have to be resolved by the end of the film, but still... Under, so I guess Pikachu's not going to get attacked by a bunch of Fearos or Spearos or whatever he got attacked by either. It could be. Mm. And it seems in the trailer that there is, there's a Butterfree moment. So it seems like Ash does catch a Caterpie. Again, uh, I, haven't is, seen, I haven't seen the movie, but it looks like they're trying to retell the scene where Ash lets the Butterfree go. Oh, it's so sad. It's called Bye Bye Butterfree. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where that's where some of the more complaints come of okay Ash goes on the separate journey they split the timeline instead of going to be uh instead of starting off to go get his badges he instead follows Ho-Oh which he never originally did in the the very first episode if he follows Ho-Oh and along the lines catches a Caterpie involves to a Metapod and then at some point decides to release the Butterfree isn't that a story already told yeah sure but it in itself is extremely memorable. Not only does it provide fan service to people like you and me, Will, who have, have been around the block. We've seen the Pokemon anime, especially when it originally debuted. And we remember that moment of Butterfree. But I do think it is an extremely powerful moment that new people should be able to experience. Because I think that if I was to pick a couple moments out of the... Thousands of hours, hundreds of hours, I don't know how many hours there are of the Pokemon anime. That is such a strong and powerful moment to tell you that Pokemon are more than just 
these battling creatures that not only are they used to get badges and to earn money from preschoolers that only use Zubats and to help you win championships, they're also like your friends and they also represent they also represent moments in time and memories and connections and we joke about it all the time but like fans of this podcast know that i wasted a master ball on a gold on a gold duck and that that has never lived me down and that's a good story to tell just like butterfree leaving ash is a good story to tell so why not tell it again well it's an okay story to tell it's i wouldn't a- say Good story. In the annals or canons of literature, it's no Ivanhoe. It's no Citizen Kane. <laughs> Citizen Kane's not a book. <laughs> <laughs> so there's my two cents. I am. I have. I. I can't remember the last time I've been so excited for a Pokemon movie, though. I am so excited for this movie that if it does have theatrical release, I will fly to Texas to watch it. I saw the the black and white theatrical, and I, that was probably the actually that was probably the last time I was excited for a Pokemon movie. See, I that, saw that in a, a theater with with a non Pokemon fan, and boy, were they unhappy with me. <laughs> that movie was okay. It wasn't it, it it wasn't winning any Grammys, but it was it was good. I certainly hope it wouldn't win any Grammys, since those are for music. <laughs> It is the Oscar that is for cinema. Sometimes you got to try a little harder than that, Will. Okay. (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. We're going to take a quick break. We, I never mentioned this, and I should, and I feel bad, but Nick Burgess, Burgess, I'm sorry, how do you say his last name? It's Burgess. I said it wrong, um, I think, for the first 50 episodes of my own podcast, yes. Nicholas Burgess does takes time out of out of his week. I don't ask for these. I don't send him music to do. He listens to the show like any other fan. He 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 finds humor and or pleasure in in me not being able to pronounce things and and turns them into remixes and we use them in our show because they're just fantastic and they bring a lot of joy to my to to me. And so just a shout out to Nick for doing these remixes. Again, I don't ask for these. He does them on their own. They're they're fantastic. So I couldn't stop laughing when I heard the first one. So if you're ever curious of where our break music comes from, it comes from Nicholas Berg- Burgess. And he's just a fantastic, fantastic musician. And he has a couple albums out. I know he's, Will, he's working on his third album right now. That is correct. And I really wish it would come out. I cannot, yeah, I cannot wait to listen to it. His his album from 2013, which is just fantastic. I listened to it last which night. Which one actually. is that album? It's the red cover one. King of Another Dimension. Yes, must be because Wizard Planet is the cover is just all wizards. <laughs> As it should it be. Is. As it should be. So uh, enjoy the break music. We'll be back. We're gonna do a couple emails and our Pokemon of the week. So we will be right back. What is a Nidoran supposed to be? It's a mix of porcupine, a rabbit, dinosaurs, mouse, whales, jackalope, probably a horse, and hamster. Porcupine, a rabbit, dinosaurs, mouse, whales, jackalope, probably a horse, and hamster. Yeah, but then, like, what is... 
But then, what are like, what is, but then, what is a Nidoran supposed to be? Porcupine. A rabbit? Dinosaurs. A mouse. Whales. Jackalope? Probably a horse. And hamster. Porcupine. A rabbit? Dinosaurs. A mouse. Whales. Jackalope? Probably a horse. And hamster. And we are back from our break. And we're going to do just a couple emails. I know we're behind, but I hate doing emails when there's not all three of us. Or at least three of us. All right. So first email here is from Daniel. Writes in and says, Hi, SBJ. I've been a listener since around episode 100-ish. And I'm an active member in the Slack community. I know this, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. I am a math teacher. Math, maths. Oh yeah, doesn't doesn't England say maths? Yeah, because they like like because if you were to say the full word, it's mathematics. Ah, so yeah. since that's plural, they're like they retain the plural on maths. It just sounds awful. <laughs> I'm a math slash math teacher, whichever you prefer. Uh, just, I don't really care, despite living in England. I started a club a few years ago with the aim of reaching a particular child who had just started with us and was in my house, very Harry Pottery, and I could not believe how many closet Pokemon players there were and how willing they were to talk and socialize together despite being different ages and from different friendship groups. Anyways, with the help of Pokemon Go, my club became really popular and I was able to use it as a way to show the functional use of maths, looking at probability of at least one flinch when firing off rock slide and doubles, use of multiples of four when allocating IVs, or the percentage of damage increase and decrease that occurs with stat changes and items. I knew I hit the nail on the head when one kid went to me, quote, so if I get better at maths, I get better at Pokemon too, end quote. That's really cute, actually. So anyways, I have two questions. One, what is the probability of gaining at least one flinch when you fire off a rock slide in doubles? Please show all your workings. Travis and Will just need to be polite. That goes for you too, Steve, if you're playing. Number two, computer games often get bad press in terms of, in terms of the influences they have on children, but do you feel that Pokemon is different? I'm assuming p- computer games just means like general video games. Yeah. Thanks so much and keep up the great work. As a busy teacher and dad, your podcast and Slack community have really kept me going when I've had to drop a lot of the more time-consuming elements of my social life. Daniel, Slack name, Stefokes. 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 Yeah. Thank you for the email. Uh, wasn't Rockslide's probability like 30% flinch or... 25%. Rock slides probability of causing a flinch. It's mm, um, it's high enough that you use it in competitive, and it's low enough that people get mad when it actually goes off. All right, so yeah, it's ac- the accuracy of rock slide to start with is ninety percent, mm-hmm. and then it has a thirty percent chance of causing flinch. So 10% that it'll miss. If it does hit, 30% chance that it will cause a flinch. So there's probably some math that they want us to do to the actual actual value is. What is 30% of 90%? Um, I don't know. 
Well, thirty goes uh, thirty goes into ninety three times, but that that that's not the answer. That's, yeah, not how it works. Let me bring out my calculator. My right, well, TI eighty four. You do that. I'll and... answer the second question. Computer games often get bad press in terms of influences. Do you feel Pokemon is different? Uh, I feel like, regardless of the game, this question can go down so many avenues. But like, if I was a parent, I would let my kids play video games, but. It wouldn't be a, I think what my parents did uh, was really rewarding and worked uh, worked for me as a kid. When I got home from school, I had to do all my homework before I could watch TV or do video games or, you know, go outside and play, which is, which was rare because I, I didn't enjoy going outside. And I think that that's not a bad route to go down with kids. Uh, to say that they get a bad rap, there are plenty of games that are extremely educational and influential, and I think Pokemon can be influential in the in the sense of something like Pokemon Go or even the original Pokemon games, where it did require you to meet other people. And if I wanted to trade with somebody in Pokemon Red and Blue, I would have to you know go over to their house and bring a link cable, or if they had a link cable, and have a conversation with them and have some sort of fair deal of trading and trading two wow. Pokemon together. Well, I mean, you could fair. pull the link cable and cheat and <laughs> But yeah, no, I think I think those are important, but the, important, but there are there could be situations where a kid plays Pokemon Red and never talks to anyone about it or goes outside or trades or do does anything like that. So I think you can apply that to m- most video games. Yeah, I um I don't talk to my sister anymore because uh, I was having a conversation with her one time and I was asking if um, my niece was playing Pokemon and my sister told me, uh, we don't play video games in our house. I'd rather my children do things outdoors. I've never spoken to her ever again. So that's my opinion. <laughs> I'll tell this this really side, this side story, but I think it, it relates to the question. Did you figure out the, the math? It's 30%. The, the deal is, right, the probability of flinch is not impacted by the percentage hit percentage because technically 30% of the misses were flinches. So it's 30%. Okay. All right. You did the math, not me. All right. I'll tell this, this quick side story. There was a point in time where I was extremely stressed out. This was probably, I don't know how long ago this was. Probably about a year ago, let's say. Probably about a week and a half ago. (laughs) About yesterday. So Irene suggested that I should do meditation. And I was like, no, no. I was was like, I'm I'm sane. I don't have a problem thinking. I don't have any issues when it comes to consistency in work. You guys get the show every Monday, regardless if I'm, I'm, I'm dying or not. So I was like, no, 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 no. I don't need to do that. You know, I'm, 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 I'm saying I'm fine. And as you, as listeners know that, you know, I, I do meditate now. The reason I do was actually because of a video game, because of The Witness, which I've talked about before, uh, that it was my favorite game of 2016. And I really, really loved it because of that game, even though Irene was telling me over and over that I should do this and that I would really like it and that it would be really helpful, and that there's science behind meditation, and that was kind of like the big the big thing for me was like, 
okay, cool. Science can back this up. It wasn't until I played through The Witness that I realized what was actually going on. I'm going to spoil The Witness, by the way, so strap in if you, if, if you don't care. So The Witness is a puzzle game in the sense of you have to draw, you have a starting point, and you have to get the starting point to the end by completing a specific rule. So the rule might be, uh, and the first, the first puzzles are, there are these black squares and there are white squares, and when you draw the line, the line has to make sure that it goes between all the black and white squares, so when you get to the end, the black squares are on one side, the white squares are on the other side. It was like the black and white cookie. And then there are different types of puzzles of maybe like, you have to draw a line, and inside those lines you have to make certain shapes, so when you get to the end of the puzzle, those shapes have to be formed by the line, and something like that. So throughout The Witness, you're on this giant puzzle island, and there's a lot of symbols on the island, and there's a lot of environmental puzzles. When you start playing, when you're, when you're playing The Witness, not only are you doing these line puzzles to unlock things, but you're seeing line puzzles outside of the puzzles. It's kind of hard to explain, but you could be at the top of the mountain, and when you look down, you'll notice that the river looks like a puzzle you just did. So you start seeing those outside of the, the quote-unquote game. And so then when you're walking around the witness, you're seeing people's audio logs or people's uh, notes, and you're picking them up, and you're, you're discovering those. And so when I'm playing the witness, I'm thinking, like, not only... Am I doing these puzzles because I love puzzle games? But now I'm like noticing how the world itself is this giant puzzle. And there's these audio logs and there's these papers and they... What is this? Like, what is the story here? So I'm going through the game and then at, at one point I'm, I'm close to the end but the puzzles are getting harder. I told myself, I'm just going to look at the answers to this point. I have... What? I have I've gotten my enjoyment out of the game. Like I I've loved everything up to this point. I just don't have any more time to give it. So I just want to look up the answers to get through the last, you know, 20 or 30 puzzles. That red box rental was TikTok TikTok and on you. <laughs> and I just want to see I want to see what the island is about. I want to know what happens at the uh, at the end. Like everything just seems so compelling, so fan like everything, I love everything about this game. I just don't have any more time to give it. I just want to see the ending. So I look, I go through, I look up the puzzles, I, I do the puzzles per the rule with the guide in front of me, and I'm going deeper and deeper into the end of the game. You, you get to the very end of the game and you do the last puzzle, and this elevator comes out of the ground, and you step inside the elevator, and the elevator flies it's like Willy Wonka flies over the island and the credits are playing and nothing has been said nothing happens the credits finish and the elevator puts you at the very start of the game nothing is said there's no end story there's no additional dialogue you're just at the beginning of the game and so now why I told the story why the witness is so important to me is because what meditation is and why I actually like it and why The Witness as a game made me appreciate it is because it was never about the end. It was about the journey. 
And so the entire time I was playing the game, I was so enthralled with it. I was so in love with it. I, I was, there hasn't been a game, it's been the only game in, in years where I took out a notebook and I'm writing notes and I'm drawing shapes and I'm taking pictures of my TV and I'm turning them upside down. I just couldn't stop thinking about the witness. And once I got to the ending and I realized that the, the, the journey was the journey I made for myself. Everything was were memories and feelings that I took and I experienced. And it doesn't matter what the actual ending was. It was the enjoyment to that point. And that really was something that spoke to me. And that's actually what meditation is about. It's not, meditation isn't about some end goal of becoming smarter or becoming more focused or be, or, or trying to, you know, clear your mind. And, and it can do all that, but it's about that journey and that experience. Meditation really is the actual journey itself. And I think that games are powerful like that. And I don't think that I would have experienced that without the witness. There you go. That's my story. Very off Pokemon topic, but I wanted to tell it. What if the journey is fraught with danger and peril? I, 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 w- I would imagine that everyone would interpret that differently. Yes, that's what meditation is for me. <laughs> a, a horrible maze full of minotaurs and other monsters. This message is from Joey. Hello, SBJ and crew. My question is, would you want a live action Pokemon movie? And who would you cast... As Misty, Brock, and Ash. P.S. What about Gilbert Gottfried as Meowth? Gilbert Gottfried is in disgrace and will never do anything related to Japan ever again. If you don't know why, probably look it up. Don't need to go into detail on that. I would like a live-action Pokemon movie. I think if it's done right, that would be a lot of fun. I'm really bad at like act. I'm I'm really bad at like actors and actresses, and I don't I don't know. I think we talked about when there were rumors of a live-action Pokemon movie. Would I want one? Yes. But I would want a live-action Pokemon movie not to have Ash, Misty, and Brock in it. Because I do not want Agreed. the... I don't want the Harry Potter effect where you are... Where... Like, I read all seven Harry Potter books. I have... A, I had a image of what Harry Potter looked like when I was reading those books. And then Daniel Radcliffe came along and he was Harry Potter. And even though he's not Harry Potter anymore anymore because those movies ended, it's hard to, when I see, like, when I see Daniel Radcliffe, I see Harry Potter. And that's not to say he wasn't bad at his role. I think he was a good Harry Potter. But I, I know who Ash is and what Ash is about out of the 20 years of Pokemon anime. I don't think there is a actor in the world that could fill those shoes yeah i agree and um for me it wasn't harry potter it was uh scott pilgrim that i read all of the scott pilgrim comic books and i had a vision for what scott pilgrim was supposed to be and then they cast michael Cera as scott pilgrim and he is absolutely not what scott pilgrim is supposed to be so that like destroy i i I haven't seen the movie and i actually never read the last Scott Pilgrim, I, I have no idea how the series resolves. I never read the last one. I was so upset that they cast Michael Cera as Scott Pilgrim when he is so not what Scott Pilgrim is supposed to be. So yeah, I wouldn't want to see 
the known characters. I'd rather it be more like the um the anime series that they did where it was like the retelling of red and blue story where those characters were or red and green um you know <laughs> where it was it was not related to previous content so they could take whatever liberties with it that they wanted this message is from sam writes in and says hi sbj and friends it's sam i'm writing in with three very important questions number one you guys could be any Pokemon for a day, excluding legendaries or mythicals. What Pokemon would you be? Number two, is Travis secretly a vampire? And number three, could you give a birthday shout out to my sister Jillian? She just started listening to this podcast and she recently got a phone for her birthday. Thank you for reading, Sam. Well, that's really cool. Uh, shout out to Jillian. I think I'm saying that right based on the spelling. Uh, happy birthday. Uh, let's get number two out of the way. Is Travis secretly a vampire? No, Travis goes to bed at like 8 p.m. But you are a vampire. No secret about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's accurate. Yes. I'm actually a, just a Zubat. Number one, uh, a Pokemon for a day, Will. Ooh, that's a tough one. Can, but I, be like, let's... can I be like Bullswole? B- Buzzwole? Buzzwole? I mean, that's technically it's, it's... an Ultra Beast. Yeah, the You're pushing the edges. Yeah, no, that's, why I, that's why I want to be Buzzwole, because I want to push the edges. I want to... But Buzzwole is gross. Yeah, what's a better one? First, Guzz- Buzzwole Guzzlord? is all about the banging and clanging, and I still haven't been able to get you in the gym. <laughs> or clanging and banging, whatever. Why? Why do you got to be an ultra beast? Because they can go through wormholes. Uh, n- be- <sighs> like they they could go through wormholes, probably like Deoxys can, but I can't pick Deoxys because they Deoxys isn't classified as an ultra beast. Well, Deoxys is like a legendary, also. So yeah, you so can't it's, be it's a off, legendary or mythical. It's off limits. That's why. That's why I'm picking. That's why I'm picking an ultra beast. <laughs> Breaking the I rules. Be, I want to be something fantastic, but accessible i mean it's only for Mm. a day i know but so it's like what what can you do in that one day probably like you should be a flying type so you can go someplace and then it's like oh i'm a human again but look i'm in british columbia (laughs) you could probably be like a gengar and then go invisible and then like rob a bank well i mean Rob, when you say Rob, it sounds so violent. You, you just borrow the money and forget to return it. Um, hmm. Being a ghost type would be kind of weird, though, because then you're like a spirit. Yeah. What's a Pokemon that has a really cool, unique move? What about a Togekiss? That's such like a happy Pokemon. What, what would you be doing? Flying around and being happy. Hmm. Putting Thunder Wave on people and then doing Fuse Ray and then flinching them? Uh, my Togekiss is more of a follow the finger kind okay. of dude. Follow, a, little, a little follow me? Well, if you're going to use the English term for it. <laughs> I don't, some, what's something Gen 5 that's like real choice? Uh, that bear, can't be bear tick. On. No, bear tick. I want to be a polar bear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Baskelin. Basculin, nobody likes. Braverary. Braviary? Uh, that's legit. The bra- Braviary is pretty sweet. You could, mm. you know, you could carry an American flag with you. 
Well, I would be the American flag. Uh, yeah, It'd yeah. Be it. Nice bald eagle. And bald eagles are native to the Washington, D.C. area, so... So you wouldn't be, like, poached? Oh, like an egg? Yeah. No. Um... <laughs> Uh, Josh, Josh writes in, uh, hello there, SBJ, Will, Travis, Micah, Irene, whoever's on, just us, just the two of us. Just the two of us. My name is Josh and I am from Southington, Connecticut. Shout out to Mike from Southington, Connecticut, who wrote in on episode 273. That's really cool. I've probably been through there at some point (laughs) in my life. Spent Uh, a lot of time near Connecticut. Do you all have a pokemon that you feel is underappreciated i mean that a i mean a pokemon that you like that doesn't seem to get the love in general from the general community mine is sneevil slash weavile the dark slash ice typing makes it pretty irrelevant in the competitive scene and the fact that it's only found in late caves in the game means people tend to already have a full team by the time they find it I think the design is really cool and sleek. While the shiny is one of the biggest changes from the original color scheme, I'm interested in what you all think. Thanks, Josh. Uh, for me, I would say Frostlass, probably, uh, who's Ice Ghost. Um, I just, she's real cool. And, you know, nobody gets that excited for all Frostlass. I think mine would probably be Low Tad. Lotad's not underrated. People love Lotad. I don't think so. Man, they do like the Ludicolo, though. Ludicolo? That dude. See, like, I think... Here's my problem, is I like Ludicolo a lot. And I like Lotad a lot. But I don't like them as a family. Does it... I, I, I don't know how to well, explain Well, that's it. weird, because they're all about the hat. Yeah, I think it's because, like, Lotad is this really cute-looking creature. Platypus. Yeah. And Ludicolo is this really goofy-looking thing. Well, okay, no, here's the problem. The ultimate problem. Lotad is cute. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Ludicolo is funny, just... He he's your bud. You're gonna have a good time with Ludicolo, right? Mm-hmm. Lombre is just n- no bueno. Not <laughs> and and his name is literally the Jolly Pokemon. And dude looks like he's got a pout going on. Yeah, he's like just like so unhappy with the whole universe. And why are you taking my picture right now? And like you you've got Ludicolo, the carefree Pokemon. Lombre, the supposed jolly Pokemon, that's a huge lie. And then Lotad, which is the water weed Pokemon. Shame on you, Pokemon Company. Like, if I, like I like, uh, I enjoy Ludicolo. The Maracas, the Sombrero, I'm down. But when I have a Ludicolo, I just think, I want Lotad instead. But I don't uh, want, I still want a Ludicolo. <laughs> Lotad's not powerful enough. And you could have them both. You can yeah, have them yeah. both. Yeah, you can. You could have it all. You could have it all. I tried to put Lotad in the top 10 of our Kickstarter episode. And you all rejected Lotad instantly. Um, you made some bad choices. 
it's Lotad is not in the top ten of all Pokemon. No. Mm, I disagree. <laughs> Japanese name Hospo. I think uh, I think that'll wrap it up with questions. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, complaints, corrections, you can email me at spj at pkmncast.com or go over to Pokemon Con- pokemonpodcast.com. Hit that contact button. We're going to move into our Pokemon of the week here, which is Nidoking. And because it's Pokemon of the Week, we're going to mix it up. We are, I am going to do the move set because Travis is not here. But we are going to tell you about this Pokemon, which we used to do and we stopped doing. But Will is taking that over. With so, my best scientist voice. So, Will, take it away. Uh, Nidoking is a large, bipedal, purple Pokemon with distinct reptilian features. It has narrow eyes, large spiny ears, fur-like tufts on its cheeks, and a short snout filled with pointed teeth. There is a long, venomous horn on its forehead and a ridge of spines down its back. Gray plates cover its chest and belly, and there is a gray rounded spine on each elbow. Each hand was three claws, while foot has only a single... I'm sorry, this is so poorly written, I have to laugh. (laughs) <laughs> Let me try to translate this text. Oh man, each I hand love Bubble has text. three claws, while each foot has only a single hoof-like nail. It has a long, powerful tail. This is a male-only species. The female counterpart is Nido Queen. It is said that Nido King's tail is capable of toppling a metal transmission tower. Nidoking uses this tail to smash, constrict, or break the bones of its prey and enemies. The tail can be swung to create distance between it and its foes before Nidoking charges. Its steel-like hide adds to its powerful, rampaging charges. Nidoking lives in grasslands. You said it was hard to read. That wasn't so hard to read except for the part that was really poorly written. <laughs> oh, <I've laughs> All of these are poorly written, though. That's very true. And that, that's not a knock at Bulbapedia. It's just very, it, it's, it's not the most readable thing in the world. Uh, I'm going to give you a Pokemon Go moveset, mostly because we picked Nidoking last minute. We didn't get to ask the Slack community what the moveset was. We'll just keep it short and sweet here. So yeah, if you have a, and, and, and we plan on doing you know normal movesets in the future, this is just a one-off, but if you have a Nidoking in Pokemon Go, the two best moves that you can have for it is Poison Jab and Earthquake. You have a possibility of getting Poison Jab or Iron Tail as the first move. And the second moves, you have the possibility of getting Earthquake, Sludge Wave, and Megahorn. To get the stab bonus on both of those, you get the Poison from the Poison Jab. You get the Ground from the Earthquake. Those are going to be the two best. So hopefully your Nidoro King or... That line has those type of moves. And if you're playing Pokemon Go, you're going to want to avoid using Nidoking against Alakazam, Espeon, and Jinx. Those are kind of the big three that threaten Nidoking. And finally, we can do a little bit of trivia here. I know we talked about Nidoking last week, but Nidoking and its female counterpart, Nidoqueen, share the same category with Rhydon and Rhyperior. They are all known as the Drill Pokemon. 
extra gr- extra drill left out apparently. Uh, additionally, all four are partly ground types, although its female counterpart Nido Queen cannot be bred. Nido King can. Nido Queen and Nido King are the only Pokemon with a poison ground type combination. Huh? I didn't know that. Seven gens and only one. And finally, Nidoking is a popular choice with the anime rivals as both Ash's main rival, Gary, and Paul, as well as Jimmy, both use, or all three, use Nidoking. And actually, Ground-type is strong against Poison-type. What is hmm. Nidoking's weak against Ice? Weak to Ground? Uh, if it's Ground Poison, it's weak to, uh, it's weak to Psychic. Psychic, Water, Ground, and Ice. Ground on ground violence? Oh, because it's got that poison in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. There's your Pokemon of the Week. I think we can wrap up this episode. So we did house cleaning at the, the beginning, so I don't think I have much to say. You can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. You can follow Will on Twitter at Wash in the Sink. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. Uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, please leave us a review in iTunes. That would really help out a lot. I think we're at 718 reviews or something like that. Our seventh year anniversary is coming up. I believe the date I have picked for that is going to be August 5th. So that is in when this episode goes live. That's in about, what, three weeks, three Saturdays. Something like that. Something like that. So August 5th, we're going to do something all day, probably stream some some Pokemon games. We'll probably have a live episode that morning of. So mark your calendar for that August 5th, 7th year anniversary for It's Super Effective. We're Will, myself, Irene, Micah, we're all going to be at Pokemon Go Fest on July 22nd. If you can't make it and you're in the Chicago area, please don't hesitate to hang out with us and some other It's Super Effective listeners after Pokemon Go Fest. Love to see your face. I'll probably bring stickers and buttons for all you guys that do uh, happen to make it out. And And make sure you can get those through the bag check, man. Oh, no, I'll I'll leave them in my car and I'll just go get them after. Ah. After the, 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 the festival. Uh, make sure to fill out that form if you're, if you are coming, try to fill that out as soon as possible. If if you're having trouble finding it, just tweet at me at Pokemon Podcast. I'll get it right to you. And yeah, I think that's our episode. Thank you uh, to all our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash it's super effective. Thank you to uh, thank you to all you guys that support it, the show. Otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super eff- efficacious. That's a hard word to say. I, I don't even know what that means. It's a synonym to effective, kind of. Okay, all right. 
you like cats, motorcycles, computers, video games, comic books, you can head over to DrunkOnTacos.com, one of our Patreon sponsors of the show. That's DrunkOnTacos.com. Thank you so much for listening to It's Super Effective.